Why don't you pray for yourself right now that before the service finishes, you're going to have an encounter with God. If you haven't already had it, you're going to have it. So just, just give yourself, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. Just pray for yourself. Don't pray for anyone else. If you don't want to pray for yourself, pray for me. Bible says you have not because you ask not. Why don't you ask God that you be healed by the end of the service? Why don't you ask God you have a breakthrough before the service finishes? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this place today. <clears throat> and uh, you've come to well, we've come to meet with you. We've come to have an encounter with you. Lord, we are putting religion to the sword, which comes to church as a religious observance. And Lord, we're coming into the life-giving presence and power of your Holy Spirit. And we expect our lives will change, Lord, because we've taken time to be in your house today. We ask for that in Jesus' name. And everyone who believes it said, Amen. okay, all right, grab a seat. And uh, hey, if you've got a Bible somewhere with you, I want you to turn to a passage of Scripture. I really want you to have a good look at this. It will not come on the screen for you. Um, it's Isaiah 59 and verse 14 to 16, which says, if you found it, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street. Mm. Truth, the foundation of society and civilization has now fallen in the street. And equity cannot enter, so truth fails. Watch this. He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. In other words, you become the enemy. If you are anti-abortion, you are pro-life, anti-marijuana, anti-euthanasia, pro-truth, you are now the enemy. That's what the Bible is saying. My Bible says in 1 Timothy, in chapter 3, verse uh, 5, it says, the church is called the pillar and foundation of truth. We are the pillars of truth, folks. We uphold truth in the land. We hold, uphold truth in the nation. And if we're doing a good job, we will be upholding Truth, and that which is not truthful will not get into the nation, into the land. Friends, if ever the church or whatever the nation today, New Zealand, other nations, needed the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of truth, it is now. Because truth has fallen in the streets. It's fallen in the streets. How did that ever happen, friends? How did we get to the place where the church's influence became so minimal that truth itself, the foundation of civilization could be destroyed and eroded. Yeah. Friends, you are, I am, the pillars of truth. Right. Add to that the disaster of COVID-19, this pestilence that's raging across the globe. If you're watching the news, friends, it's not getting better. We're isolated here in New Zealand, but it is getting worse across the globe. Where this is all heading, I have no idea. But I know that there's only ever been one answer, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest story ever told, and it will remain that way.
forever and a day and for all eternity. The more you engage in mission, incredible things begin to happen. That's what I want you to understand for today. If you would dare to follow the final command and get involved in it, incredible things, amazing things, extraordinary things, miracles, breakthroughs are gonna happen in your life. Most of the miracles in the Bible happen not within the synagogue, they happen in the marketplace, out in the streets, out in the highways, the byways, the schools, the universities, the workplaces. That's where the miracles happen. Why? Because that's where often the need is the greatest. Mark 16, verse 15, you know it well. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes will be saved. He who is not will be condemned. And these five signs will follow them. This is once you start going out, what's gonna happen? These signs are going to follow you. You're gonna cast out demons. You're gonna lay hands on the sick and they are going to recover. If you're not seeing enough miracles in your life, and if I'm not, I wanna suggest we need to go into the marketplace, into the streets, into the community, tell people about Jesus and he will begin to back up his word with his mighty power. I read the story recently in the 1980s, a prison in Argentina, in Olmos, and a pastor, there was a murderous, it was, it was a disastrous place. Just murders were, were frequent, and this guy, Pastor Juan, he wanted to go in there and hold some meetings. They wouldn't let him in there, so God gave him a strategy, apply to be a guard. They knew he was a Christian. They said, we don't want anything with any Christian guard in this place, uh, but things change when one of the uh, security people had an asthmatic attack and began to suffocate. Pastor Juan laid hands on him, I think cast a demon out of him, and the guy was set free. So he got the job as a guard in the prison. It, within about a few years, 60% of these murderous inmates had been born again by the Spirit of God. You start to go, incredible things are going to happen. He built, he had, they said it was probably the largest prison church in the world. 1,450 attenders in this church. These guys who got so radically saved were so passionate that they got sent to other prisons to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, they, uh, then uh, apparently the, the um, reoffending rate dropped from uh, something like 50% to about 5%. Such was the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Juan was so effective that the government, <laughs> the government, everyone say the government, <laughs> they asked him, friends, it's time the government asked us yeah, on, to do something yeah. to change the narrative of our nation. Yeah. They, they, they recognized, hey guys, you guys have got the answer. We're lost. We're going downhill. We can't stop all the rubbish that's going on. Church, will you come and help us? So they asked him to start the first ever Christian prison in Argentina, and it was called, uh, the name of it was uh, Christ the Only Hope Prison. I mean, how good is that? Now listen, these prisoners would fast two days a week. Hello, tell the person next to you, they fasted two days a week. Now tell them, thank God I fast three days a week. Friends, when people are radically saved, something changes. The narrative shifts. And you know the money they saved through not eating, they used it to feed the poor. When you go in mission, 
incredible things start to happen. I want to pick up on what J. John shared with us some time ago, three-point plan for the final command, which is prayer, care, and share. Everyone say it. Prayer, care, share. Tell the person next to you, just as well, I pray. <clears throat> That's a very quiet response there. Prayer. So the first thing you have to do is you just start praying, all right, if you want to point people to Jesus. Because when you pray, coincidences happen. And when you don't pray, nothing actually happens, let alone no coincidences actually happen. So start praying for those who are close to you. Come on. Start praying for your family on a daily basis, your friends, your workmates. I'm going to give you 10 seconds right now to pray for your family or your friends or your workplace. Just do it. Doers of the word. Lord, I just pray for my family right now. Open their eyes to see the light of your gospel. Bring them to salvation. In Jesus' name, pray for my neighbors. I mean, that's it. It's as simple as that. We become, so when you start to pray, something starts to happen and uh, things start to take place. So, you know, uh, to reach the world, we've got to reach our world. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? So that's where you start. And the thought is that, you know, some people are called to go overseas. Good job. Go. I want to suggest also, why don't you go next door? It's a mission trip. <laughs> and it's cheaper. You don't have to fundraise in the cafe for a year or anywhere. It's cheap. So just go next door and see what God begins to do. So here's a thought challenge. Why don't you find out the names of all the neighbors that surround you? Just, just say maybe six houses. Just find out. Find out their names. You say, well, how can I find out their names? I'll tell you how. Take them a, bake them a cake and take it to them. Knock on the door. Say, hey, I'm your neighbor, blah, blah, blah. And just say, oh, by the way, what's your name? And that's how you get to, get to know them. Or do something else for them. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, just go and knock on their door and introduce yourself. Find out their names. <laughs> I mean, really, if they're our mission field, it's probably a fairly good place to, to start. And that's probably not too hard to do. I want to share a, a testimony which is really going to encourage you from uh, Pastor Helen and Tim Vere in our church. So recently they brought a house. And uh, the first thing they did is they prayed that it would be God's house. That's a good prayer, isn't it? And used for God's glory. So God used this house. So they get this house, but it's got a problem with it, and it needs some repairs. So they start meeting with the vendor. Uh, Numbers of times it gets pretty stressful. And uh, one day uh, Tim says, I've got to go and pick up my wife. I've got to leave at 5 p.m. And the vendor says, where does she work? And Tim was about to say Glendine and felt the Holy Spirit say, no, no, tell them she works at the church. So he says, he obeys and he says, yeah, she works at the church. And then he thought, now let's get on with this repair, please. And the Holy Spirit stops him again and says, no, 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 why don't you ask him if he goes to church? And I think Tim sort of says like, God, are you for real? Like, I've just brought a house that needs repair. And um, I think he said somewhere along the line, he said, I I was in no mood for a God conversation. Anyone know, anyone know what we're talking about? So he obeys, and he says, uh, do you go to church? And the guy said, well, I haven't been for 20 years since I came back from overseas. And Tim thought, right now, let's get the repairs done. The Holy Spirit stops him and says, why don't you invite him to church? 
And it's by this time, I think, it's, it's, you know, Tim's not very happy with God, probably. <laughs> I'm, I threw that bit in, all right? Okay, and so he just keep, keep going. He said, oh, man, you know, I just want this repair done. And God keeps interfering me, and he sort of said to God, look, I spent a lot of money on this house. And uh, I think the Lord, he said, this is what the Lord put in his mind. He said, yes, this is a lot of money, but right now, eternity is on the line. <laughs> well, that would shake you up, wouldn't it? He invited the guy to church. Very obedient. Well, what happens from East Auckland, the husband, the uh, vendor not only came, but his wife and his daughter came, came to 11 o'clock service very recently, I sat with Tim during the altar call for salvation. Tim's praying for them without any prompting. Uh, the vendor raises his hand, gives his life to Jesus Christ. Right here in this church. And now he has a, a good, great friendship with, the, uh, with this owner. The owner says all the peace has come and the stress is gone. Uh, the month, a month later, the house is fixed, and they also get a great or a significant compensation. You put God first, friends. But my point is this. When you pray, see, they prayed, God, use this house for your glory. When you pray, amazing things start to happen. Just try. Just try it and see what God will do. So, you know, pray for your street. We just mentioned where God has placed you. Because the way I see it, for me and for you, is you are actually God's appointed missionary for your street. Is that right? I mean, if not you, then who? So can you tell the person next to you, you are God's missionary for your street? Nice and loud. Come on, let them hear it. So you're also God's pastor for your street. So just say to the person next to you, hi, pastor. Come on, come on, church. We're all anointed. We're all full-time ministers of the gospel. And you have got a, a street, you've got a mission field, the houses next door to you, and so you are the appointed missionary. So I want to suggest that one of the good things to do for your street is to pray for your street on a regular basis. So J. John tells a story, um, just the, the whole thing about praying. So he goes to him and he takes his wife to the spa. You probably, some of you may remember the story. And he gets in there and it's all the thick of the atmosphere, is just thick, it's not good. And all these Buddhas everywhere around the place. And I think he says to his wife, he says, can you feel that? And she says, yeah, I can feel it. And she said, uh, he says, oh, well, let, let's cleanse this place. And she says, uh, I'm having a spa, you cleanse it. <laughs> so he's, you know, no, 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 prays and cleanses the whole place. And the two, uh, whatever, whatever they call it, those two ladies who are running the place come back into the place where they were, where he'd be cleansed the whole place out. And one of them says to them, says to J.J., who are you? And he's like, what? Who are you? What have you done to this room? She recognized, she was a new age, recognized a change in the atmosphere. Of course, you know, J. John talked, 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 and eventually she gave her life to Jesus Christ. (laughs) When you pray, things start to happen. Just start praying along the lines of the final command and see what God begins to do on your behalf. So, you pray, and then the next step is you care. (laughs) I like the pray part. I want to skip the care part. But you can't, can you? So let's go. Why? Because the final command can be summarized with these verses found in the 
Matthew 22, 37 to 39, Jesus said to them, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it, you should love your neighbor as yourself. See, praying always or should always lead to caring. Praying and then caring. And so, sorry to use J. John's stories, but his are better than mine. He's out on a street praying. And he sees this lady, and he recognizes her. He thinks, this is one of my neighbors. She knew who he was and uh, had heard about him. So then he says, you know, he's there. He recognizes this lady, and then the battle starts. Shall I do something? Shall I say something? Or shan't I? Shall I? Shan't I? Shall I? Shan't I? You're going to always find this is going to happen to you. Shall I? Shan't I? And so he finally decided he too, and he said, look, are you Barbara? She said, yes, I am Barbara. And she said, my son is 32 years old. He is dying in hospital. Will you visit him now? He thought like, now? Like, right now? And what can you say? He's 32 and he's dying. So he goes to the hospital and uh, goes into the room where the boy is and 32 years old. Guy's asleep, so he wakes him up. And then he says, uh, can I pray for you? And the boy says, I'd rather have a hug. Wow. Guy's dying. Forget the prayer. Just love me. So J. John and his wife and the boy, they just threesome. They started hugging each other. He starts crying. Of course, then she starts crying. <laughs> And finally, J. John starts crying. I'm not sure that's the order of it. I just made that up. But uh, they all started crying for some time. Then uh, that all finishes, and boy finally said, J. John finally says to the boy, well, can I pray for you anyway? The boy said, I'm an atheist. But hey, if you want to pray, pray. J. John prays, visits him repeatedly. I don't know how many times he visits the boy. And eventually the boy gives his life to Jesus. Prayer, care. So then J. John gets asked to take the funeral. What he didn't know was this 32-year-old boy was a very famous DJ. So 800 people, some of them well-known, turn up to this funeral. And J. John obviously gets to share, you know, in the funeral, no doubt put in the the good news as well. And he said many of them afterwards began to ask him questions about Christianity and the faith. When you pray, amazing things start to happen. But when you pray and care, extra amazing things start to happen. And just from that moment, and, and Dave John now says that, Whenever he has that battle in his mind, shall I, shan't I, shall I, shan't I, he always does it. He calls it a quiver in the liver. <laughs> Which makes sense, doesn't it? And I think we, we face that all the time. But if you're anything like me, I'm too busy. I've got too much to do. I've got people to see, places to go, and all the rest of it. Um, so prayer, then care, and then... Um, the thought is this, think about this. We hear this statement a lot, don't we? But think about this. 
Remind us of unsaved people. People don't care how much you know. They don't care about the fact that you're a Christian and you know the gospel until they know how much you care. So when you add the caring dimension, it opens hearts into people's lives and a doorway is made for you to start getting in there with the good news of Jesus Christ. The only thing I'd add to that is that the care needs to be genuine. Just needs to be a genuine caring um, for people. So prayer, care. You know, in the story of the um, Good Samaritan, Jesus tells her two religious people, the priest and the Levite, <laughs> that's me, uh, walk past the man who was beaten and bleeding to death. And they ask the question, why? And there's three reasons given. See if that, these, any of these fit with you of why you might not take a step to reach out to someone. All right? The first reason they say is they, they, it was, they were too fearful. Um, this street where the man was laying, dying, or beaten up, uh, it was known as the way of blood. And that's where many muggings and killings took place. To stop and help would have put their lives at risk. But the thought is too fearful. And uh, that really is, trips up a lot of us. Secondly, too busy. That's the second reason given. They're on a journey, things to do, people to see, places to go. And uh, to help the stranger would just mess up their day. Inconvenient. Just say to the person next to you, inconvenient. Mm. Don't we love our convenience? Hey, we don't like to be put out. We don't like pe- I, I get annoyed if someone rings me at the wrong time. You know, it's just inconvenient. Or, or anything, or wants, you know, it's just, we've got our life sorted out. Um, but somewhere along the line, we've got to, if we're going to do this final command, in fact, if we're going to do Christianity, <laughs> we've got to deal with inconvenient. And the third thing is they were too holy. <laughs> Imagine that, too holy. <clears throat> they were engaged in relig- religious duties. So they may have seen helping this man, who's a bit of a mess, as an unspiritual distraction. Really? <laughs> like, when I read that, I felt convicted on your behalf. <laughs> so, yeah, it's simple, isn't it? You might want to write down somewhere. Just keep this, lock them in the back of your mind. Am I not doing this because I'm too fearful? Or, or is it just inconvenient? Or <laughs> I'm busy doing some other religious duty? <laughs> you know, some religious, because we can hide behind religion, can't we? Well, I can, I don't know, we can really do that. So prayer care, one last thought is this, um, share. Now, I want to just say this about share, because people often turn off at this point. Um, The first thing about share, I think the big thing about share is relax. Just chill out. Don't get up in the morning and say, I've got to point someone to Jesus today, because you're going to be all nervous and uptight and anxious, and you know, I've got got to do this. It's just not going to work. Just pray. And God, God will give you opportunities in line with your personality. You know, if you're the shyest person on the planet, he's probably not going to get you to witness to the leader of the mongrel mob. He's probably not going to do that. Though you might be the best person to reach. I don't know. But I think the thing is just to relax, but don't be too fearful. <laughs> don't be caught by being inconvenient, and don't be too religious. <laughs> And, just real, and then just see what God does. And this is what I would pray. I would pray and I'd say, God, would you give me opportunities that I can handle? Yeah. 
How about that? Is that all right? I mean, if you can ask for ones you can't handle if you like, but I think you're better to ask for ones you can handle, and God will probably send them to you. Uh, you know, there's a thought, thought in all of this that, that God is infinitely creative. So there's a way that you can do this that doesn't mess you up completely. Do you know what? It doesn't wreck who you are and you're just having to live outside your comfort zone permanently because you're just not going to do it. He is unbelievably creative. And maybe there's another message in that of creative ways people have found to fulfill the final command. So it doesn't have to be knocking on the door or you know, doing it the normal way. There's, there's a lot of creative different ways that we can do some of these things. And, um, you know, our, our role is, like some simple things you can do, like even to invite them to a church or to a small group or to a, uh, some sort of Christian evening of some sort or give them, give them a book to read or hand them a tract or, you know, there's a whole lot of different things that we, we can do. But see, some, in this journey of faith, people are at, at different stages. So if say at 10 is where you get saved. Some people are at one. Some are at two, some are at three. All our job is to shift them from where they are, one to two. Don't try and get them saved, because that's going to be someone else. That's going to take another 10 steps before they get there. So if you have that different approach, I'm not trying to get them saved. I'm just pointing them in the right direction. (laughs) You're going to just take them a step further from where they are. And uh, I reckon there'll be opportunities for all of us uh, to do this, you know. But I'm going to make a confession right now. I was filling up some gas the other day, just yesterday, and uh, there's a guy at the counter there and um, blah, 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 and paid for the bill and all the rest of it, and the Holy Spirit, I think, sure, a thought come to my mind, invite him to church. Well, I didn't, so confession, but I should have. See, this is gonna happen, but am, am I gonna be you know, down in the mouth for the rest of the week about that? No. I, I, said, God, I said, Lord, I'm sorry, I should have asked him, but I didn't. And then you pick yourself up and you go again. You know, so the next time I fill up the gas, I usually do say something, or not usually, but often I have numbers of times said something to people where I'm buying things. So it's, but it's not hard to do. But sometimes it's like I had that shall I shan't I shall I shan't I, and I thought I shan't. <laughs> there you go. It's not a good witness, is it? Why am I, why am I preaching this message? <laughs> Give it to someone else. Hey, why don't you tell them how God changed your life? Why don't you just, somewhere along the conversation, just say, look, my marriage is a lot worse than, I mean, better, better than, (laughs) a lot better than it used to be, or I have more peace, or I'm not afraid of the future. I reckon people start asking you questions. Really? Aren't you? Why not? Then you can launch into it. But maybe the most powerful way to share and point people to Jesus is to live a life radically different to the world. I want to talk about that for a moment, because we all preach and shine the light every day to those around us. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 3 says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. You know, we are books that people read. You're an epistle of Christ. If you want to write that down, 1 2 Corinthians 3 verse 3. See, a lot of people are not going to read this book. You're the only book they're going to read. And you, your life, needs to point them to Jesus by the life that you live. And I think the world is looking for people who are radically different because they know what they've got doesn't work. They know the life they're living doesn't work, so they need something that is radically different to what they are. And I've heard this and learned this, that the more different we are, the more attractive we come 
to unbelievers. And we think it's the opposite. No, no, they're looking for something different. They might not like what they see, but underneath is some appeal to you. The church will never make progress by trying to be like the world. And I read this statement recently, I think, from John Stott, and he said, probably the greatest tragedy of the church through its long and checkered history has been its constant tendency to conform to the prevailing culture instead of creating a new counterculture because it loses its power and it loses its appeal. There's a young man that was uh, joined the army and so unashamed of the gospel, he would kneel beside his bed behind his bunk and he would pray. Well, the sergeant saw this and got so annoyed, picked up his boot and threw it at the guy, hit his ear and split the ear. So this young man, he just kept on praying. It's a bold witness, isn't it? So the sergeant picked up the second boot and threw it at him, hit the guy again. He just kept on praying and went to bed. Next morning, the sergeant gets up and his, both his boots are beside his bed, polished and shiny. He says to himself, I've got to find out what makes a man do this. And in time, that sergeant gave his life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he saw an epistle of Christ. He saw a man who was radically different to all the others that probably were around him. Friends, it's time for the church to be radically different to the world. It's time to set a standard, friends, that is honoring to God, honoring to the gospel, honoring to the book that is honoring to Jesus. The world is looking for something different. It's time to be radically different to the world. So when you're at, well, I'm not talking about, you know, in the workplace being holier than thou and looking down on people. No, what I'm talking about, be radically different. Be kinder than everyone else. Be more loving than everyone else. Be more patient than everyone else. Be on time more than anyone else. Speak well of the boss more than anyone else. Don't gossip in the workplace. You know, those who don't like you in the workplace, show them love. Buy them some cakes or biscuits or flowers or whatever you have to do. Show them a life that is radically different. You don't have to preach with words. Preach with your life. Preach with your life. Come on, preach with your life. Show them I am different to the world. Just manifest the Spirit of God. Friends, the church has got to rise to the challenge of radically, radically different to the world. And friends, as we do that, I believe we're going to see transformation take place. The lead singer a number of years ago of DC Talk, well-known band, said this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is, this, that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Wow. They find it unbelievable. So you're a Christian? Really? Makes no sense. Friends, the challenge with God's help is to live lives that are radically different to others. So let's surrender. Let's do what we can to fulfill the great and final command. Prayer, care, share, and live radically different and change the world one person at a time. Amen?